1: Is hair a material? Our biscuits are material. Are crystals a material?
2: Is plastic a material?
1: Is porridge a material? Can gases be a material? Are eggs a material? Is water a material?
2: What do you call everything that isn't a material? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at your question. And yet you continue to do so. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Handmade, the making podcast with real talk about materials. I'm your host, material scientist Anna Pajajski, and this episode I'm talking to woodworker and all-round craftsperson extraordinaire Daniel Dernan about his life in craft. I started by asking Daniel the story of how he got into craft.
3: Well, I think I can kind of remember making things, first of all, with my granddad and my dad. we had Because we grew up, we've got a bit of land, my dad's got like a little farm, and so we're always sort of like tinkering around and like you always just end up making things. I don't know why, but, you know, fixing a gate or a fence or, you know, a handle on a bucket. We'd sort of like plait the string and then, you know, from the bales. And then if the uh, handle was broken, we'd kind of fix it. So you're always mending and making do. And if you're in the middle of a field and you haven't got a hammer, then a stone will substitute the hammer. So this kind of adaptability of just thinking a little bit you know and kind of utilizing it so that's the kind of first time I remember sort of actually actively making something Mm -hmm. um and obviously I went through school and such and I never really thought about it just it was in the background I was always just very lucky I was very happy to go and help my dad or mess around with my granddad he had a little workshop I'd go and tinker around with him and always doing those types of things and then I think when it got to my A-levels I was a bit sort of like confused as to what to do I didn't really really know and I and I actually wanted to just sort of, you know I'd like to make some you know like most teenagers I'd like to make some money so I thought well I'm, I'm going to restore and sell furniture and I was talking to a friend and he was like if you're going to do that Daniel you've got to like learn a little bit about it like you can't just go and paint it well. I was like well you can so I started doing that but I thought no wise thought I better learn a bit about restoration when I start to see some French polishing and things I was like this is actually pretty hard for me. And so I went up to the college and just decided to do a one day a week course you know can I do this one day a week course on learning restoration for like a year or so mm. and I had this wonderful tutor uh Doug, I mean, Doug Morris He's like the head of the uh, course up there Rycott Wood Furniture Centre and he said look Daniel if you wanted to you've got your A-levels have got an opportunity, to come here. You can do a degree course in furniture making and design. And I was like, wow, yeah, sounds sounds all right. <laughs> and I went along and I did three years. And it was three years, best years of my life. I loved it. It was it was up in Oxford, this little Rycott Wood Centre. And it's part of the, the college there in Oxford. Um, Oxford City College is called now, the Oxpens. And they were their own little separate unit. So it's was this little Rycott Wood Centre. And they've got this huge history. It's back from the 19... 19- 40s set up by Cecil Michaelis and he went to the Ruskin School of Art so he's got these lovely links and things with Oxford and and the city there in Rycott Wood in Tame, and they used to teach agriculture and furniture making and I did the furniture making and I just fell in love with it from the concept and I never really saw it at school I guess I never really thought of design and technology or art in that when you know I've always been pretty arty in design and making I love it but to actually realise that you can do a drawing and a sketch And then produce a piece of usable furniture that, like, you know, your mum and dad would be like, oh, great, we can sit on it, or, (laughs) you know, we can actually use it as a coffee table. It's not, you know, it's not just going to fall apart as soon as they uh, do it, or it's not sort of like cobbled together on the farm that just has to be something that's completely utilitarian. It's actually got an aesthetic value and everything. So I really, really loved it. So and i was doing that for yeah like i said three years then i got an artist in residency afterwards with the college and i just further continued to mess around then i, I went traveling I, if i'm really honest i got a bit obsessed about um yurts and uh mobile structures mm. uh, i'm uh, like, you know like, as we've spoken previously i'm obsessed with camper vans caravans uh, boats uh, all modes of transport and you know gypsy wagons i, I had a Vardo. Van that I restored, which is obviously a beautiful dray wagon um, mm. restored, uh, uh, and the, the boat top on top, which was really nice, hard project. But I've always been interested in these kind of things, so I, I wanted to go out to Mongolia. So, long story short, I went travelling for a little while. I went out to, I went on the Trans Siberian, if, if you wanted to know. And, and I went out to Mongolia, saw all the yurts, and, and how people are living out there, and this fantastic thing. Ended up in Australia for a couple of years, just doing carpentry work, and I, and I came back home. And I started to read about all these designers that were making these wonderful pieces of furniture. Obviously, I've been doing furniture and very specifically in kind of woodworking. So it was very craft. And and Rycott Wood was very good about, you know, learning the fundamentals of the joints, using the timber, you know, steam bending, laminating, all these aspects that you can do with timber, which are wonderful Mm -hmm. and really nice. But I sort of like looking around and reading, you know, you do, you read the articles and such, and you know, icon listings, etc., all the furniture. I started to see these designers not just doing really interesting works with one material, but pushing different materials. So, mm. you know, you got like Max Lamb, I think, with his uh, pewter chair that I saw, you know, started to open up my eyes with these designers and what they're doing and, uh, and the things like that. And uh, um, uh, Simon Hassan with his leather, I remember he did the leather series um, with that cure, really. I think, where they stiffened leather and he turned it into furniture, loved it. Oh, wow. Kind of researching, well, where do these guys go? And they all had gone to the RCA. And I was like, well, if if that's where they all go and learn all this cool stuff, I'd also like to go. So I kind of just put in an application and and very luckily uh, they they obviously like some of the work that I've done. I think maybe more of the experimental concrete series I'd made at one time on the farm. I'd made a load of furniture out of concrete and stuff. Very much um, arrow type-esque stuff is reinforced concrete in. But anyway, I got in and so I spent a couple of years there just pushing the envelope I guess of like design mm. and it introduced me to a whole kind of thought process not just about materials but how we approach materials how we approach design I mean obviously I did design products there so it's how we approach making and I didn't realize there's this whole movement of making I must have I was a bit naive when I was doing my BA I was, mm. I was just a you know in a maker in a very rural crafty kind of way of doing it. it was maybe a bit twee back then i mean we're going back you know when did i start 2006 2007 mm. so 13 14 years ago it's very tweeish. i mean there wasn't like this movement of craft that we see now mm-hmm. where you know pottery throw down and stuff it was yeah. it was still kind of you know uh, uh, just a, a thing that people were doing so it's, uh, it's cool but um yes yeah, so i went there and i saw the all these ways of thinking about things and doing things and concepts and You can use not just wood, actually, Daniel, to make furniture, but you can use plastic and, Mm. you know, sand. People are using metals and all these kind of things. Loved it. So I went through two years there. Went completely sort of like off the rails in terms of making furniture. I don't think I made a single piece of furniture while I was at the RCA. But I did manage to make lots of other things, um, including a, a, a mobile boat shelter that you use to tow on the canal and everything which you know interestingly goes back to that you know uh, travel of yurts and things yeah but, yeah and so I did that and very lucky and then I spent a year just sort of like working after that helped my old man on the farm and my mum he's a little ill so working on there. and uh, I basically RCA had opened up more questions that it answered and I thought I'd really like to know a little bit more about why I make what's the drive behind it I guess kind of selfishly you know why am I making and why am I doing because I'm not passionate I mean I'm passionate I think about wood I think I'm fairly passionate but but I'm passionate about making and I think like craft for me is not when people say craft a lot of people think oh you've got to know something really well or Mm -hmm. and and there is that aspect of craft it is a time-honored thing and there is you just can't deny it it's just years you have to do it's just an apprenticeship over years I'm still learning now I've been making for 20 odd years I'm still learning there's people that I know that are absolute masters in their industry and they'll still tell me they're learning but for me craft is far more sort of like um it's an approach it's a technology i think it's essentially technology that's mm-hmm. what craft is. it's so clever it's it's like using green woodworking it's using the material with you with knowledge that's technology and so for me it's more of a thought process that's how i kind of think of craft it's, it's actually applying thought and technology to materials and processes to, to end up with a goal. So I was like, well, why do I do that? Et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I wanted to push myself a little bit more on that kind of, uh, I guess, theoretical plane. So I ended up going to the Ruskin School of Art at Oxford, where, uh, um, which is Oxford Uni, which was really lovely. And, I, and I, I did my MFA there. And there I could just delve a little bit further as to why I make, And do what I do, which Mm. is really interesting. And I put on a project and and, and ended up doing a little um, fellowship with the the British Council in in Venice, which was lovely, and making some pieces. And that that kind of leads me up to now, where I'm, you know, at the moment still making, working on various projects, you know, um, across various different media and things like that. So that's kind of how, I mean, that's a really long story. Sorry to to, 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 take you around the long way, (laughs) but it's a very long. My mum always said I seem to find the longest way to do anything. So if there's a way of doing something, I'll always take the long road. Never never, the, never the short road or the easy road. Always the long way round. But it, it, you kind of end up there anyway, you know. So I think it's that and that. But that's how I kind of got into craft, I mm, guess, in, in, mm. a, in a kind of nutshell. I never thought of myself as a craftsman. I never went out to be a craftsman. But it seems that it just, you can't help it. I guess people who make, who you've most probably spoken to before, and there's just an intrinsic um, my yearning, I guess, or something, or just you, you can't help but make. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. It's whether it's fixing up your bicycle, and you sort of like, actually, I'm going to strip that back and paint it really nicely, mm. or you know, I'm going to fix that car, or I'm going to make a lovely piece of furniture, or I'm going to you know build an oak frame barn or you know, whichever so it's something yeah. like that kind of thing yeah it's just it's in you that yearning to make and 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 I think like if you're of that if you use your hands it's really funny but you, you normally have an aptitude if you use your hands with one material you will you can normally transfer them over and, and and kind of work to a certain or you'll certainly appreciate ways obviously not going to be a master of it but you can kind of appreciate the tactility and using that thinking of Oh, this is how this goes with another material. It's mm-hmm. very interesting, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, sorry to you know go round the long way, like I said, but yeah, that's kind of how I ended up in craft and uh, making things. I guess. Yeah, 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 no, not at all. It's it's
2: a brilliant story. Thank yeah. you for sharing it. Oh, it's really right. funny because no, right. my background is material science, so I'm I'm coming at this world of making and craft. Um, I think probably quite late. Um, as a scientist, I was you know I'm trained to understand materials on paper and to um, to learn the formulae behind them and, you know, draw all the graphs and kind of understand them really theoretically. But the reason that this podcast came about and my new book came about as well is that I kind of had this crushing realisation at a certain point that I was supposedly an expert in this stuff. And yet I had no idea most like what most materials around me are even made out of but also how they work and how how you can work with them and shape them and make things out of them so that's kind of the quest really is to find out from people like you you know what is this secret thing (laughs) of making and making with your hands that is like able to go to transform these materials almost magically it seems to me from just being a raw material into some beautiful useful object
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is that, like you say, that transformation is really interesting and in that there's understanding materials on that base kind of, you know, that intrinsic level of what mm. they are. Mm. But then I, I think, again, it goes back to that kind of, that idea that there's this theory of, I think of making, and if you are a maker, you know, it's that, it's that, um, it's what you call it, it's that tactility, I guess, and that initial kind of instinct. There's an instinct with certain materials. I must have, so for me, I, you know, I've done dry stone walling. I mean, just, you know, I've played, obviously, being on a farm, we've worked with everything, mm-hmm. and I've worked with, you know, I've dug it, so I did a project where I dug out, we, we've got a clay seam in the, in, in the field, and we we dug it out, and we excavate it, and we can make pots and clay pots out of it. Cool. But then I manufactured a kiln that, out of metal, welded it all up, that uh, me and a collaborator at Theodore worked together, we put the kiln into the clay to fire the pot in situ, as it were, kind of <laughs> cool. on site. So kind of like this idea of taking, you know, we normally extract materials and take them away. And we thought, well, actually, let's take the process to the material, mm-hmm. which is kind of like this, you know, mining idea, but mining and process. So there's this, pro- it, everything's in that, just let nature do it because mm. it does it so well. So I think as a as, a, as a club, like with these materials, there's this intrinsic kind of um, play that you get to just work with them. And I think that's where, the the craft aspect comes in and what people can get it's it's just you're always i find working with certainly with natural materials i know that maybe more synthetic type materials i know that metal for me is very it's a lovely material to work with Mm. i mean i was talking to a welder actually the other day i built this oak frame and we were saying about the difference between the things and and I was like, he was like well if you get that oak you cut that wrong you can't stick the oak back on (laughs) he's like if i cut it off you know i can weld it back on and yeah. i was like it's so true it is true so he's like i've got a bit of leeway uh-huh. i was like yeah that is true actually you know he's like i can always you know get round it if you have a problem because uh, as as one of my tutors said you know that part of craft is in fact everybody can make i'm a great believer that everybody can make nobody can't make i think it's all mm-hmm. in us we're all humans we're all part of the world and 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 the materials are part of the world and we are part of that. So we can, it's all in us. But he said the real true essence of sort of like a craftsman is that actually, uh, if you go wrong, you can fix it very quickly. So that's kind of, you know, you can always fix your mistake very quickly and often without anybody else knowing. And he always told me this story of where he put a hole in a very expensive cherry wood table. I don't know whether he'd like me sharing this story, but anyway, (laughs) he, he, he made a very beautiful cherry wood table and he put a hole in it. And he was like, oh, I drilled it through. And he's like, oh, gosh, what did I do? And the boss was like, don't worry. He spent hours making this beautiful cherry table. Um, they they basically put it in and put it as if it was a little knot in the wood. Nice. And he said the client never noticed. Nobody ever said anything. He was like, it's unbelievable. <laughs> you know, I still feel. And he's like, "That's having that? And I was like, yeah, that is so cheeky. But it's but it's not. But it is in a way, but it's not. It's mm. really knowing what you can do with the material and your craft—that's the skill of, you know—and and the client most probably looked at it. It's just a natural knot, lovely, you know. So mm. it's these, and that's what craft is. It's the tricks, I always—not tricks. Maybe that's a contrived word, but it's it's the knowledge of knowing what to mm. do and how to deal with it, and and getting it right, you know. Getting it, you know. Often, if it's craft, it's getting something that's usable. So to do a, you know, to to, to have a use is what it's ultimately. You know, the difference between the art and craft, you know, long debate, I know, but it's normally got that usability to towards the end. So there's this function that it has to perform. And if it performs that, normally that everybody's kind of, you know, all parties are happy. So it's that I think that and I think it's just that kind of that thought process. Yeah. So that's that's for me, mm. you know, how they kind of interlink, I think. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
2: So you said that you think that everybody can make um yeah. I do you think that some people are kind of starting at a kind of a more higher level like are some people just more naturally adapted to um to being able to think about problems in the in the way that a craftsperson does as you've described um or is ev- does everyone start at zero and then some people just gain the knowledge through doing
3: um no i think you're right i know I, I i agree actually and i think that some people do have an i don't know why i've met a few of them they just have an intrinsic ability yeah to be I mean amazingly accurate and I think there's something in maybe you you, you make up that some people have this natural ability I, th- mm. I think it's just pure raw talent mm. but I do think that everybody can make mm-hmm. but the outcomes may be a different I think that's the thing the, <laughs> yeah. I think you know the, the, the scale of outcomes can be very different yeah I just think that's how how it how it kind of works but i do think that that we're all able to make but like you said, yeah these people they because some people do they just have this ability to just go beyond what you know i mean i've seen beautiful work and you just go it's mind-boggling mm. you know the the time and concentration that it must take to produce something the hours spent not just only on the piece but maybe the hours learning the technique you know, because everything is honed, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. It's like any craft, any um, vocation, any qualifications—they're hard earned, you know. It's mm-hmm. just the time, you know. It's often the time, whether completely theoretical to, to, to purely practical. It's it's time honored. You just can't escape it, unfortunately. It's mm-hmm. just one of those things, isn't it? So, but I do feel that being part of of, of this material world that we live in, because we are all you know used to using them. Um, I think there is this thing, and what we've had recently, I think, maybe in the last, uh, since the 70s and stuff, is we've been removed from that process of making. And what you used to have is, like, you know, my mum always said, you know, she can remember people would come round and fix your tinware, and, you know, people would Mm. mend clothes. Mm. Not because it's cool or fashionable, but because necessities dictated that you fix it. And so people would naturally adapt at doing things and I think that you know they would naturally sort of like learn how to you know my nan made her own curtains and cushion throws and you know my mom said she never bought them she just always sewed and she had a lovely sewing machine and, and she'd never call herself a seamstress or, yeah you know, but but she would be able to make these beautiful curtains mm. oh, it's really impressive and beautiful uh, throws and my mum said she'd make her a bit of clothing so I think what we've had in the last. You know, what's that? Fifty odd, sixty years. We have been systematically kind of removed. It's the magic of that making has been put in a factory, completely industrialized. And I mean, obviously, the industrial revolution has been going for two hundred fifty years, but yeah. it's really taken us away recently. You know, and I think not just with with materials, but I think with you know, not to diverge too much, but with even food production. Mm-hmm. You know, and and all those things. We yeah. we're really um, protected from seeing the actual process of anything you know how meat is made how your furniture is made how your Mm. clothes are made even you know it's completely removed from us and i think that's that's why we are feeling this i think resurgence in the last 20 years of people going you know i I actually want to see how my mug is made i Mm. don't want it to be made in some far off country or you know and it's not out of any kind of nationalistic ideals or anything it's just out of pure i want to know that it was made down the road and you know Mm. john put it together or, or, or Jan made this and you just think that's how I think we are getting more. We want to know where things are from. We, and that's what craft gives us ultimately because it's that, you know, it's that lovely and it, and in a weird kind of way, it's, it's giving back these things to people that you know the small, I mean, you know, you see these adverts like NatWest and things, but it goes back to that small independent. They're not the big factory. It's yeah. often home. It's cottage industry, which is where a lot of, you know, for for hundreds and hundreds of years, how society has ran you know yeah. every village had a butcher and a, a, you know a, a blacksmith a baker mm-hmm. you know these are all crafts and skills that that have just gone you know they've just been lost you know they're now outsourced you know we have I live in you know near Banbury town and you've got fine lady bakeries and they bake for Warburton's and Tesco's and all the others and we don't have a local bakery in our small village down the road you mm-hmm. know so it's I mean it's coming back you start to see the farmer's market you know i think 20 years ago it happened with that people really wanted to know about food and and now it's happening with 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 uh, objects you know mm. clothes furniture uh you know which i'm obviously part but um yeah. Sorry. sorry yeah. Sorry
2: to de- no, no, not at all. I totally yeah. agree. And I think that by by outsourcing all of the the made goods that we have, they kind of go into this sort of black box that feels very impenetrable to the everyday person so that you couldn't or I couldn't even imagine how a mug was made or, you know, how a wooden spoon was made or how a glass was made. Um and so it kind of disempowers us, I think, to feel confident enough to try making. That was certainly my experience anyway. It was kind of just this this mystery process that I had no idea about. And it's funny as well, my experience of trying making for the first time over the last few years, you know, you can pick up these skills in an afternoon. You can learn how to knit a row of knitting in a couple of hours. You can learn how to whittle a wooden spoon in an afternoon but then it takes a lifetime to actually (laughs) hone those skills and become an expert and be able to take that making to the next level.
1: Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from rust
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
1: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your borough purchase at burrowcom slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrowcom slash ACAST.
2: Yeah, I think
3: it's so right. It is that you can learn most of it, like you say, in an afternoon or a day or so. Yeah. You, you can get, you can fathom out. And I think that's the kind of thing, as long as it does, that's what we, you know, on the farm, it's very much you get that at that base level is, I'm not stonemason and i've never ever claimed to be yeah. but i've put together a stone wall now is it the best no it, i is it going to win any awards no does it hold up and keep some animals back yeah it kind of does the job so they go well that in theory then is, is, is it's in you know practical terms it's a great wall does it yeah. does exactly what it says on the tin <laughs> but it's not going to you know it's not going to have that finesse and that beauty that you see the stonemason doing stuff you know I mean my dad always said they they pick up a stone and, and they don't put it back down until it's in the wall and you go there's that skip and it's that skip you know that but that comes from a lifetime of working with a material and I think in any subject in any kind of uh, practical or theoretical that's that's that knowing that intrinsic kind of just yes that's what it is mm. that's what we're talking about isn't it it's that those years of hard Graft. You, yeah. just, you just can't escape it. You know, the more times you pick up a stone, or the more time I go, you know, I use my chisel on a piece of wood, the more every time I'm learning something about it. You know, every time I'm I'm using a piece of wood or I'm shaping a piece of wood, I'm learning about ah, this works better. This is mm. and that's just hard game. I know because you can read all the books. I've done, you know, all the theory, and my tutor's were really great. And when when we're doing when we were doing our uh, furniture design and making. Often that was the way is, is the tutor for giving us these great, great skills, wonderful skills, you know, how to do these beautiful dovetails, etc. Lovely handmade joints. We also did learn about the machining side because sometimes the machine can just take a lot of the laborious work, you know, planing and thicknessing out of the equation and, you know, maybe let the machine do that. It's, it's fine, you know, but we learned how to do it, etc. But then actually they'd just show us and then they'd like go and practice mm. and practice and practice and it was you know and again you just realize that it's so true you know so 15 years ago things that i learned i'm still now just maybe got it to a point where i'm like yeah I'm, I, I can you know i can do that really simply i'm just intrinsically know oh this is how i'm going to do it or when i'm working with wood you know it's quite funny if i'm working say with somebody who doesn't work just they'll be going against the grain or the mm. way they'll cut it, And you are like, oh you can just see and that's just from me you can't say it but it's from years of picking up a piece of timber and looking at it and knowing okay this is how I'm going to work that piece Mm. and I think that's like we say is that is that it's that dedication to 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 wanting to work in and that's what's amazing with different craftspeople. I've found having been very fortunate to work with lots of other different gifted craftsmen you know I've worked with glass blowers that are fantastic Mm. I've worked with you know ceramicists that are amazing you know blacksmiths etc and what is amazing that everybody seems to have is just this they are passionate and they love that particular craft beyond all other crafts. Because mm-hmm. normally they're really handy at doing other things. So you mm-hmm. know, the the the, the glassblower made this really cool metal bench that they kind of used specifically for their uh, job. And kind of fabricated themselves. It a really beautiful. You know, like, wow, it's really. You could be a blacksmith. Yeah. No, but I particularly love glass. And so it's really. But you will see it in lots of different craftsmen. I think that they mm-hmm. have this aptitude for other ways of, uh, of doing it. But it's yeah. that dedication to that one thing that then elevates them. I suppose beyond the everyday
2: yeah it you kind know, of it, maybe it's a bit like being a musician you know you you have your one instrument that is your first instrument and that is your love but if you were yeah. to pick up a different one you could probably give it a pretty good go and you've got that musical yeah. kind of knowledge and baseline education on like how it all works and you've yeah. seen other people do it and you could probably like <laughs> busk a tune on most yeah. other instruments but yeah. but your one yeah. is yeah. is yeah. the one that you've honed over years yeah. and years
3: I think it was was it Louis Armstrong who famously said, you know, give me a piece of pipe and I'll give you a tune. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it doesn't matter. Give me something and I'll give you a tune. Yeah. You're like, yeah, and that's that's the skill, isn't it, of knowing what to, how to how to use something to get the best out of it. And that's mm. really, I think, what craft is. That's what it is with craft is. Well, what I for me personally, might that is what craft is all about. It's getting the best out of that material. Yeah. And it's putting it to the best use, most. I think normally economical it is because that's another thing with craft is it's often very normally economical in the way that it exerts energy and stuff because you know you have to remember i mean obviously i, I talk about wood but green woodworking and and, and and wood it's it's very laborious many years ago when when we're talking about these skills were being developed so so sort of like you know planing and and thicknessing timbers like we do nowadays with all our huge machinery just wouldn't have been practical you know and the modern glues we have I mean I mean the laminates that we can produce now are unbelievable I mean it's mind-boggling what they can do with timber and and engineered wood it's Mm. unbelievable but, you know, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, you know, they didn't have that. So they would just work with the timber, you know. So, you know, the Windsor chairs, you know, with the with the green oak, uh, with the green seat. And, and then as it shrinks, it actually gets tighter on the joints. Mm. You're like, this, it's incredibly clever. Amazing. You're using the own material for your purposes. That is so smart. Mm. It's a bit like, you know, we're going to grow a hedge and then we're going to lay that hedge and that's going to make it proof. You're like, that's it's just double clever you know we so hold on you don't have to move any materials no we just have to just lay them down in a certain way and that's going to keep it stock proof the animals will stay it's 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 so economical with the effort and everything mm. and yet the result is truly beautiful and for me that's like real real craft is that balance you know that exertion of power knowledge of material plus result is just it sometimes it's so simple it's it's just so clever you know, mm. and it is it's a, it's a it's really beautiful to see yeah
2: yeah so but, you mentioned um, about um when you were at oxford at the Ruskin um studying for your mfa and yeah. your main question that you were trying to answer for yourself was why why do we craft why do i craft um what did you come up with yes yeah. what was your conclusion
3: <laughs> well funny enough I, you know, um well yeah it, it, it's a little bit ambiguous and kind of I never really got to the bottom of it if I'm genuinely honest but yeah. it took me a very interesting path of um really self-reliance actually and 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 I know before this pandemic I, I actually so for that I really got into and I don't know why but preppers and this whole idea of doing do it yourself diy mm-hmm. which is another version of craft I guess it's that like you were saying, feeling empowered to do things, you know, when things are taken away from you, you you can't do them. And you kind of feel like there's this mysterious, you know, like we're saying with this great technological revolution that we go through, a lot of us are using tools, the laptop, you know, this zoom, but we don't actually understand how it works. I don't know the algorithm. I don't know how the chip is manufactured. Mm. Um, So we're kind of, again, there's this uh, secret behind it. And, And actually when, the a whole idea of kind of survivalism diy uh prepping the whole uncovering of it is actually you can do these things you know that actually you can do basic field dressings you can make you know a house a shelter you can filter water to clean it so there's uh, i did this whole thing of sort of like you know uh, renegade sheep and uh, the north ronald sheep particularly interesting they were kind of I don't know, it's a little island uh, up off Scotland, uh, north of and they, they, they used to uh, have the sheep on the island and they would, uh, and they collect this uh, seaweed in and they used to make this potash out of this seaweed, I believe that's what it's called. But anyway, the, kind of the industry fell away and so they needed the land, the, the grazing on the, on, the, on the island to, to grow themselves some vegetables, etc, and, and use it for, for the human consumption. So they basically built, a, I think it's a 12-mile stone wall around the island to kick the sheep off. So they kick the sheep off and the sheep got pushed onto the coastline mm. and the sheep, rather than kind of, you know, die or whatever, they actually now just live on this coastline. They're very famous for it. And their stomachs change their rumination to work in time with the tide no and they digest this seaweed. So they just adapted to mm. the way of things. And I think it's a beautiful kind of example of 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 adapting to situations and materials that you have at hand so they didn't have the grass so they used this seaweed so now they have to have this copper in their diet and if they can't I know a lady actually up the road she's Keeps this beautiful pedigree herd of of Norse swans There, they're a rare breed. They're beautiful, tiny little sheep. Very resilient, very hardy. But they have to they have to be very careful with their diet because of this copper um, uh, deficiency in them. That they have to make sure they have. So it's been about two or three hundred years these sheep have now developed. So I think there's this and but what I'm super interested in is like I say this adaptability of using the materials at hand. That is in essence kind of I think why you make and craft is that you want to understand your environment, you want to control. There's a certain autonomy I think that you like because we have had it taken away from us. It, not uh forcibly ironically, in fact, very much like Brave New World, we just sign up willingly for it. You know, we just want it the pleasure and the easiness and the convenience of the iPhone and mm. I don't want to make a shirt or repair a shirt. I can go to Primark and buy it for three pounds. Mm. So we have this, so we've given it all up, but actually there if we know how to do it and we're resilient to it, we can actually kind of in ourselves, we can depend upon ourselves. We can take a bit of power back and a bit of autonomy back. And that kind of is really powerful. That's what craft can do to you is it can give you the power to say, do you know what? I don't actually need to rely on, you know, whatever they are, Allied Sugar's Primark. I can repair a t-shirt. I can actually take old stuff and actually I can make it. And in fact, if I want to, I can use old wool and re-knit it. I can do all these things. I don't need them to sell me anything, Mm. actually. And government systems, they don't like, you know, commerce, they don't like that if you can have this. So it was, I know a little bit radical, but they really don't like the idea of you being able to say, actually, Hold on a second. I can grow my own vegetables. I can grow, I don't need to worry about what Sainsbury's or Tesco's are dictating to me this season. I can actually control that. I can do, and that's very frightening thought for governments that work on taking uh, data and knowing what we're doing. And we're at this heightened surveillance and things. So it's very, very powerful. I think craft in its purest way, because it allows you to do these things and not be. And that was why I kind of got interest in this whole. Uh, preppers and not from the from the kind of mad point of view of this kind of you know wanting to get away from society it's often that they just would like to know they can purely rely on themselves which is which is very uh, it's a very interesting concept and i think that goes right back personally for me to that farming idea of we're in the field, up in a corner. I, I don't want to go back to the house or the yard and I need a hammer to knock in a post and a stone becomes useful. It's that adaptability. And that fundamentally, what, what for me, I think the essence of craft is, is it's what's around me. What can I use to better my environment? And what can I use to kind of make my life easier because I think a lot of craft was born out of um, strife and hard times you know I think you know three three or four hundred years ago before the uh, industrial revolution and obviously the agricultural revolution since that people spent many hours toiling you know I mean the plough Literally revolutionised the way that humans, you know, what a simple, you know, invention and things. And I know there's lots of stuff that go on that, but that as a craft and and people, you know, ploughing and how they plough the fields changed everything the way that we thought about producing food. And it's very interesting this this whole idea that once you know how to do something and do it well, it can change your whole perspective on how you think and rely on yourself or others. And Mm. I think that's that's what craft for me personally is it's that ability to adapt and, and and it's a thought process it's not just about a material I know it is for a lot of people and I know on that surface level that it still is and even me I say that I love timber I mean I I'm passionate about timber I I, I work with green oak. I work with you know I have a lathe I've always default material it, it's timber if I'm going to build something it's can I build it out of timber first yes mm. okay I'm building it out of timber because I love wood I mean I it's just so beautiful it, you you don't need any power tools you know my dad had a, you know we have a hammer he used to have what they, like this uh, screwdriver he didn't even have a, a drill or a, it was like a screwdriver he called it a yankee screwdriver but he basically pushed it and it twizzled through this uh, system and it spanned the so everything was hand powered and you're like with just a few hand powered tools i mean he built barns 30 years ago, that's still standing. You're like, it's unbelievable. With just hand tools, that's a a hammer, a saw, some nails. And I remember the other day, I was just nailing in a six-inch nail into a bit of fencing. And I was like, this is just so, I just feel so connected this. For thousands of years, people have used this same technology. I mean, this is a piece of technology. I'm hammering in a bit of metal to hold these two pieces of wood together. What a fantastic... Piece of craft, I, you know, theater, who, who came up with this thought process of like this would work? And I just take it for granted. Mm. And you just go, it's unbelievable. And I think that's this, and it makes it so quick and it's so easy. I don't need any expensive tools. Like I say, it's just a hammer, a saw, and a nail. And you can build most things, a lot of things. And I find that it's liberating. Mm. It's like, wow, you know, you don't, you don't have to fear putting up the garden shed it's just a hammer and people have done it for thousands of years. This technology, this craft is, is, is so easy and it's come so naturally to us. These people have thought about it before. Our ancestors have thought this up, this process and we're now doing it. You can take all, I mean, it's lovely. Don't get me wrong to have the lovely routers. And I, you know, I love using my my drill and screwdrivers and, you know, I've got all the kit and it's lovely when you're doing really beautiful, you know, I've done laminated series and I've had to make things and it's wonderful. I love using those uh, tools, but, just the basic hand tools this you know human material tools Mm. just and there's no noise the dust is minimal it's it's really therapeutic I think you feel without sounding too crazy kind of um, a little bit one especially working with timber because like I say just it's so warm to touch Mm. and it's it's so forgiving i must admit timber for me has allowed me to get away with so many more mistakes than i ever should have been because it's just such a forgiving material it just just wants to work with you timber really it's only all you're doing is just trying to get the best out of it and i think that is again that's something that's, you know kind of but you feel part of it you know? so yeah for mm. me personally yeah so hopefully not to wonder too much sorry going down that, that avenue of thing but, but to get to the back to it that was kind of the whole theory through that Ruskin was mm. was just this whole for me was this DIY this thinking this empowerment that that was what I really boiled down to and I it's so funny and I don't know whether you feel it maybe now more when you go through this your journey maybe mm. is that you just feel more the more you go into that craft the more you feel like yeah I can do that and actually I can do this and I can do that. and then you can do everything and in fact nothing's a challenge you know I was talking to this house builder the other day and he was just like one day at a time And you can build a house, and you're like, yes. So, it's that's It's those small steps, and that's with all crafts, you know. The finest piece of work starts with that first chisel, hammer, saw, you know, weld, whatever. Mm. It always starts with that first step, and the first step to any great piece of work or anything is that that first movement on it.
2: Mm, Totally. Yeah,
3: you can can kind of do it. That's what it opened up for me. That whole time at the Ruskin was that's why I still come back to this everybody can do craft because mm. it's it it is there you know and nowadays we do I have moan about the modern world but like now we like we're talking on Sue, skills can be shared so easily on YouTube I've watched it you know and it's fantastic I mean yeah. the social um, engagement of people to share the time because I know it takes a lot of time I make and I don't ever film it or photograph it because I find that very laborious and very hard. So for somebody to make and document it, we've now got this huge collective archive of skills being brought together on, on YouTube, Daily Motion, et cetera, you know, these skill sets. And I think it's fantastic. It's a mm-hmm. great time as well for us to get in and reconnect with these things. You know, it's never been easier. You know, you can, like you say, do a craft day or a, a half a craft, you know, go on these, these courses are all open. You can wander down most, a lot of high streets now. There's a lot of, um, you know, these pottery places are opening up. You know, I'm finding them more and more. uh, DIY days, there's community engagement, there's uh, people taking things back to the community and socially engaging. You know, Mm. it's fantastic, really. uh, But, you know, what's happening now? so yeah although I moan about technology I'm not moaning about technology I think it's also fantastic <laughs> so you know I, I always have an iPhone and everything I'm very normal in those areas,
1: so.
3: <laughs> you are coming across yeah.
2: as very normal don't worry
3: <laughs> oh good oh good thank you yeah it's, uh, I, I do know that you know, it can go down a certain <laughs> road but uh, yeah thank you
2: it's so funny what <laughs> you were saying about you know just one step at a time like what that um, person that was building a house was talking about the craft that I've Taken forward the most of all the ones I've tried has been knitting, and oh. and I really relate to what you were saying because you know, if you you I started by making a blanket which is just you know knitting across left and right left and right just the same rows all the time, and then I wanted to um, make a hat and so then I had to learn one extra stitch which was the purl stitch as opposed to the knit stitch, and once you've mastered that you can then do ribbing and then you can um, you know knit two together and reduce how long your row is, and just with a small combination of probably less than five different techniques you can make blankets socks gloves um hats scarves (laughs) just through these like uh, literally less than five skills um and and it's um, and every time you come up against a new instruction that you haven't heard of you go on youtube you look at how to do it and then you've added that to your toolbox and then you can make jumpers and you can you know make sort of more and more complex things but Each time, it's just one new skill, one new step that you master, and then you've got a whole new world opened up to you. Um, So, yeah, I really relate to what you were saying about the accessibility of it and just taking one new skill at a time. So, I mean, I could talk to you about craft all day, but unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap this up. So. I'm sure listeners will have felt inspired listening to you um, speak about your passions in craft. And if they're listening, thinking, okay, I, I'm in, like, I understand the, the importance of this. I want to give this a go. Where do you recommend yeah. that people take that first step in, in, in getting into craft and having a go?
3: First thing, I mean, it just starts at home. I think, do you know, what? you can just have a look and if you're going to chuck something out was like just look at it and go, do you know what? Can I fix it? Or can it be Because I think it all starts at home. And I had said, my craft journey started right back. Okay, a little bit more. I wanted to make some but I, I want to restore something. I want to mm. fix it. You know, I didn't have, and I remember, well, I've still got it now. I made it when I was about eight or nine. I made a toolbox. I had some tools. My dad gave me some spanners. I didn't have anywhere to put them. I was carrying them around for ages. It really annoyed me tied up in a, in a bit of plastic. So I was like, I made myself a toolbox. I've still got it right now. And I took it to all my stationary engine shows that i was a bit of a nerd i love these stationary engines list of d's etc and it, and i've still got it now and it starts with home so i think if you really want to go out it's you, you you can go to the craft days and i think they're really great you can watch youtube online but you know what rather than throwing something away just go do you know what? can i repair it mm-hmm. can i can i fix because that's where craft is it's 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 what can you do? And that's all it is. That's all craft is. That's just, it's just skills. And you'll pick up so much. And if you were going to chuck out a jumper and you can repair it, and, and instead of doing a repair, you do a funky little design or whatever, you don't let your imagination, you will feel like, wow. And if that's achievable, what's the next? Well, then you can knit a whole jumper. Or mm-hmm. you can build a, you know, if you can repair a chair leg, you can build a, furn- you know, a table. Or you can build a bed. Or you it's it's endless the scope of what you can do if you just start and i think that first start yeah i'd say it's just at home you know just before you chuck it out have a think because it's that's where craft really really lies is in that uh, self-reliance that resilience it's it's that's the first step for me you know and, and then obviously go and join a club because it's you meet other enthusiasts and it's mm-hmm. great i mean there's so many people out there now that want to share skills uh, get involved I just think once you're out there it's fantastic really you know I've seen it and been a part of it very fortunately in some small way and I think such a and I still meet people now they're so inspiring in every single craft that I meet you know every and we've all got similar you know maybe different backgrounds but we've all got similar passions we've all got similar ideas you know what craft can do where it can go what they're into and I just think that's it get engaged with the community because the community is craft and craft is part of the community. I think it's so important it's just intrinsically linked. So but but it does start at home. Have a look around. You can fix my you know, rather than chuck it out, just fix it. And that is that little step, I think, yeah, for me
2: amazing thank you so much for chatting to me this has been you've been the perfect podcast guest honestly i couldn't have thought of anyone better to speak to oh thank you yeah no thank thank you for
3: listening to me because i know i can wander off and and i do and i do ramble i've been known to talk a lot um (laughs) but and and i hope it hasn't deviated too much um but like i say yeah thank you so much for having me because it's been a pleasure to talk about it i mean it's if you're given an opportunity to to talk about something you love it's it's, yeah it's really wonderful so thank you for, for sharing your time
2: So that was the wonderful Daniel Dernan on all things craft. Thanks so much to him for taking the time to come and chat to me on the podcast. I'm delighted to announce that my book, Handmade, A Scientist's Search for Meaning Through Making, is officially out now. You can order it as a hardback online and now in all good bookshops IRL. And you can also get hold of Kindle copies and the audiobook version online as well. Please let me know what you think of the book or, you know, just say hi to me on social media. I'm at Anna Pajewski, that's A-N-N-A-P-L-O-S-Z-A-J-S-K-I. If you want to learn more about the book, I was interviewed by the book's wonderful illustrator, Hannah Ayoub, last episode. So go back one episode on the podcast feed and you can hear more about exactly what is in the book and my sort of writing process behind it and what to expect from it. That's everything for this time. As always, it'd be awesome if you could like, subscribe and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you want to say hi to us, you can do so on social media. We're on Twitter at RealTalk, that's R-I-A-L Talk, and on Instagram at Handmade Pod. If you want to support the podcast with a one-time financial donation, you can do so at supporter.acast.com forward slash handmade. Thanks to everyone who's already done so. It really does help to keep us going. Thanks as well as always to Alex Lathbridge for the music mix. Next week, I'll be talking to materials engineer Shannon Nickley about synthetic diamond. So until then, take very good care, and I'll speak to you next time on Handmade.
1: Small details are big surfaces, tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.